Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello, everyone. Or for the listeners in Spain, I should say hola. For the listeners in Italy, ciao. We have quite a few listeners from all over the world um, on the podcast, actually. So this is this is pretty cool. So this week, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't have a guest. Um, there's no cool reason for it. I literally have just been so busy and didn't manage to schedule someone in. However, I did record a podcast with Lloyd yesterday from Whitebox, which will be out next week, and that is going to be amazing. So... This week, I thought, you know what, people don't necessarily know me and what I'm doing right now. So I don't want to share my past story, but I want to share what I'm working on right now and how it could potentially help you. So a long time ago, when I got into property, I looked at rent to rent and anything that wasn't owning a property. And I said, that's not what I want to do. I've got a decent job. I, I enjoy it fairly. I can sort of wait for cash flow. And so I ignored rent to rent. And then uh, maybe two months ago, I looked at it and thought, hold on a minute, I'm in London. I should make the most of being in London and not having to put much money in. So I looked at rent to rent in a place called Slough. Now, the reason I chose Slough is because it's on the Crossrail route. It's zone, actually, it's not in the zone, but it's it's about mm, 35 minutes from Paddington, which is great. And it's on a single line. There aren't too many stops, depending on the trains. Slough Business Park is nearby, which is the home of O2 and Furniture Village and Mars, I think, and various other brands. So actually Slough has the most um, headquarters outside of London in the UK, apparently. So you can see there is so much commercial um, evidence for why a rent to rent, rent to HMO would work here. Um, But I'm quite safe. So I spoke to some people, um, a guy called Sam, who's active on Facebook, and someone called Fiona. And they've both done kind of rent to SAs and and rent to HMOs in Slough. Met with them, went and saw their properties, you know, got a real kind of insight into actually running these, what they look and what they feel and what they smell like sometimes. Um, And that really helped. Now, a big mistake that I made was that I didn't put up like a dummy ad on spare room or open rent, whatever it was beforehand. I did this like a day before I was going to offer on a rent to rent um, and I still have had no responses. So that's good, I guess. But, you know, I really should have done that beforehand. And if it's 30 quid or whatever for spare room, just pay it. It's better than spending a couple of grand and, and not making your money back. Right. So before you start this in an area, just chuck loads of fake ads out, get pictures from, you know, Airbnb or some right move listing and just do it and see what the response is. Um, so d- big piece of advice, like you know, as much as you can guess economic factors and business and assume, just put an ad out there and get a real flavour for it. You can look at the rooms wanted versus rooms needed on spare room, but it's hugely inaccurate when you start clicking on profiles. So I did that. Um, I was at the point where I had properties I wanted to offer. In fact, I did put offers down, which were rejected. Um, But I was at the point where I found properties which would work. And this took me a month and a half of doing it quite part-time, so like Saturdays, the odd day off from work, things like that. Um, and you know what? It, it was tough, 
in the sense that I had to look at so many. And to be honest, I'd see like 40 listings on Rightmove. I'd get it down to 10. I'd probably end up viewing like three and offer on none. And it's one of those things where there might not be a floor plan or you can't tell with the picture. So a lot of time was wasted. I spent hours with a vendor who, you know, I said, look, I can't offer you what you want. So I'm not going to offer you at all. You know, if I could, it would be this low and that's just silly. And she just really wanted me to take the property. But I said, look, I, I can't offer you what you're asking for. So like, there's no deal here. So it's kind of a, a strange one there. Um, but again, I spent hours and hours wasted. But, it, you know, it's not wasted because I learned so much from it. And I learned that it can be a normal aspect of finding a rent to rent HMO or even like any property. Um, and some tips from that are, maybe it's just slough, but 90% of the lettings agents, when I say 90%, I put how many I spoke to, but two out of a, a fair, fairly large number said no. And they were like, oh, we don't touch that. That's really weird. Like, oh, like, oh my God, like, you know, get with the times, right? But it didn't bother me because like every other one was like, yeah, sure, whatever we do it like before we'll happily do it again, which is a good sign, right? Makes my life easier and also means that other people are doing it. So there's got to be some demand here. Um, So I found the agent aspect quite easy. Um, I didn't visit them enough. I should have gone in more face to face and bought them, you know, protein bars or whatever we buy people nowadays. Um, And I, I, I called them enough, you know, once or twice a week. I emailed them. I kind of kept in touch. I offered to help them. You know, one of them was like a startup. And I said, yo, if you need some help with your digital marketing and branding, because it looks like you're you're doing pretty well and I think we can improve it, give me a shout. Um, and they were really keen to have partnerships because at the end of the day, it's it, it's money in their pocket. Um, and so maybe, you know, what I was going to offer to them is actually, hey, why don't I do like a guaranteed rent scheme within your company, you know, where I take a cut, you take a cut and it's behind your brand name meaning people are more likely to trust you so think about things like that if you speak to like really small agents and startups because like it makes sense they have the trust you know we don't necessarily um so i'm always running my figures on these rent to rent hmos i'm making sure they work i'm making sure all the costs are in happy to share my spreadsheet it's, it's pretty basic but hey it's, it's ready made um and you know what? The figures added up. It was looking at anywhere between 600 to like £1,000 a month with about a three to seven grand input, you know, varying on size, anywhere between a four to a six bed. And then I thought, you know what? This is nice. Passive income in that, not owning a property, putting a couple grand in. Um, and then it got to the point where I was close to closing on a property. And actually, I got a new contract in recruitment, which pays a day rate. So I get paid X amount per day. And for me, I guess that creates a certain mentality where you're like, okay, okay, I've got to get a building survey done. Cool, that's one day's work. Oh, I've got to get um, stamp duty paid. Oh, that's like half a month. And it allows you to think in a certain way that for me was a real benefit. And I really enjoy it, actually. The company I'm working at is amazing. Um, they're Babylon Health, they're an on-demand kind of GP service, um, trying to bring accessible healthcare to the world. Um, so I just thought, you know what, the amount of money these HMOs are bringing in, for the amount of work I'd have to do at the start and potentially to manage it, I know it's passive income, but I just thought, hold on a minute, I've never really wanted this, I don't really want it now, I'm only doing it because I think I need quick cash flow and I'm maybe too scared to get investors money. Like, what kind of BS excuse is that? For me, I was just like, nah, this is this is not what I want. 
and it's never what I wanted. So I stopped doing rent to rent HMO um, because it just did not suit what I want. However, there's people like Jack Wicks on my podcast who were making £10,000 plus a month from it. They don't own the property and they spent minimal on it. So, hey, it works and it works really well, you know. But for me and, and where I am in life and given that with my recruitment business that I run as well as the contract, I can make, you know, two to five times one rent to rent a month and I spend a lot less time on that and I'm very good at it and it happens quickly. It's one of those things that I've done it for two years, you know, if, if someone's good and we're, we're going to hire them for my client, I know in five, ten minutes. So for me, I thought, do I really need a rent to rent when I've already got a good thing? And sometimes, you know, you might have this in your life and you need to kind of, I guess, step back and say, hold on a minute. Yeah, it's great to have this quick cash flow, which, by the way, can take up to, you know, a well, six to you know ten months to get your initial investment back, perhaps sometimes. You know, is there something else in my life that I'm making money from that I may not enjoy fully, but I enjoy enough to continue it and be happy? Um, and I realized that. I don't know. I, I seem as a person, I seem to realize things really late. Um, and I said, you know what? Forget this. Done. I'm done. So um, that brings me to my next thing, which is I'm working with Sean Forsey, who's on the podcast, um, buying a property in Wales. That was my Welsh accent. It wasn't very good, obviously. Um, near where he lives, which is a place called Mysteg. Hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Now, I'd love to, to tell you more about this because it was an experience. Well, it is an experience for me and it's quite eye opening. Now, I'm from London, West London, Heathrow Airport. I live in a terraced house. Do I live? Yeah, it's a terraced house. Um, there's not much space to park your cars. There's not much space kind of full stop. Um, I generally hang out in London, Birmingham, and I guess parts of Europe where things are built up. Um, going to Wales and seeing the beautiful valleys and like villages and seeing like normal humans living in villages and people my age living in these places was strange because I kept saying to Sean like, dude, but who lives here? Like it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's an hour from, you know, Cardiff and, and half an hour from Port Talbot. But I just thought, I just couldn't understand who lives here. And for me, that was quite a big uh, blocker at the start. You know, I, I was observing Sean. I met him at the Progressive Property Masterclass in May. And I had a feeling when I met him that I'd invest with him, which, you know, I didn't say anything about, but I watched and watched and just tried to understand who lives in these places. Because as a Londoner, it's difficult, right? If you said Manchester, Liverpool, I know people live there, like who are young working professionals. Um, so I went to Wales with him, got a nice tour, had some Welsh cakes, which are very nice. Not healthy, but they're nice. Um, saw cute little town of Maesteg, which has a Tesco's and an Asda, I believe. So yo, things are picking up. We then went to see some of the properties Sean has invested in. It felt like he was the mayor of my state because um, everywhere we went, it was like, oh, yep, that house is in legals. Uh, that one just completed. Uh, yep, that one over there exchanging. That one, oh, trying to get it. And I just thought, whoa, you know, this guy owns his patch. This is awesome. Um, and we went to see a really, really interesting old clock tower. And like, yeah, it, it's on his pictures, on his profile and like, I went in and, you know, huge potential. I think two two beds or, or one one bed and one two bed. Beautiful views. Um, and again, middle of nowhere. But hey, someone will live there. And I, and I thought, okay, you know what? If this is in Birmingham, if this is in like anywhere like that, this is easily 
200 grand because it'll go to auction investors will pay way too much for it and then someone will be happy and he goes how much do you think it's on for and i was like oh yeah it got 150 because it's whales it was on for almost three times less than that and i was just i was flabbergasted i thought how is this even possible and the council were like begging to, to sell it um and it really highlights the power of having connections knowing the right people and being about you know being about in your area being on the roads and visible to people whether it's social media whether it's physically whatever it is super important right so took me around um we went to view the property which was a nice terraced house um a traditional welsh sort of design i still don't know why a lot of houses in south wales are all terraced and have that very similar design so if someone knows the history like please let me know because i'm really interested um it is a it's a two bed but would it you know it could be a four bed i think we're going to make it into a three um very nice little old lady was living there um it is not in a state of where someone couldn't live in it but i don't think you or i would live in it um it needs pretty much a complete gutting not not structurally i hope survey is coming back to me this week um but it just needs a full kind of refurb to to get the inside sorted i didn't take any pictures which is so silly all i do is bang on about social media and i didn't even take a picture so um that is in the process of legals at the moment the vendor's been a little bit slow but probably not as slow as the stories i've heard from others um contracts were with my solicitors today i was reviewing some of the bits um I discovered it has coal central heating. I mean, like I'm 25, what is coal central heating? Like is it a fire in every room? Is it like a steam train? I I don't know. So that's that's really interesting. Um and the surveyor went in on Friday and the results should be coming back by this Friday. Um I was very <laughs> tactical with the surveyor i said to the vendor look i'm not presenting the surveyor in until you get, you know send the contract over and we can move to exchange you know um and again don't know if that's a mistake or or not it may have delayed the process slightly but i was playing it safe and i guess applying pressure um in the sense that there could be a potential for me to drop out if they didn't get things moving quickly so again you know i'd love to hear people's opinions on stuff like that most people would probably just go in with it but i was like mm, let me just be safe um so in terms of the figures 18000 pounds purchase price yeah 18000 pounds i mean what you can't even get like a vw golf with with a leather interior for that much right yeah so 18 grand purchase price um the current value of it is is probably 40 45 Um I could probably chuck it into auction and get 50 for it I reckon being really cheeky. Um when it's going to be re- when it's refurbed looking at comparables we're looking at a revaluation between 55 to 85. So a bit of a range there. Um but at 55 it stacks and I'm probably leaving in like 3 grand after about a 15 to 20k refurb. At anything higher it's no money left in all my money out or it's getting some profit out. There's no stamp duty either which is which is lovely. Um there's obviously a sourcing fee and a project management fee but at the end of the day Sean's done the hard work to find the place and his project manager is going to manage it so I can just sit at home and look at the videos on WhatsApp. 
of course, I'm still going to be paying attention um, because I'm very cautious. Um, but Sean actually showed me one of his other houses and it was done fantastically. Now, I want to get some tips when it comes to working with sources. Read the paperwork. Now, not every source is going to be compliant. That's another thing. Check that they are. Ask for their registration numbers and, and Google them and make sure. Um, check every bit of paperwork you get sent. Like, I, I'm weird. I like reading legal stuff. So, hey, send it to me if you want. I'm not a lawyer or solicitor for the avoidance of any doubt, but I'll happily look at it and give you my opinion. Um, be careful what you're signing. Um, ensure that things like building costs, while they may not be able to give you a 100%, this is what it's going to be at first sort of um, acceptance of offer, but get something in writing as a rough quote. And then obviously, as soon as the house is cleared and the kind of builders go in, get things signed off. Um, you know, legal text is it can be very particular, right? So just be really, really careful about what you're signing up to. And if you have a problem, raise it with the sourcer because at the end of the day, they need to create a situation in which you're both winning at life. And if you're not happy with signing something and they're not happy with you not signing it, it's just not going to work. So remember that, right? Just be careful on those sort of things. Um, you know, make sure you can trust the sourcer. Like how long has it been since May that I've been watching Sean and now I've, I've pulled the trigger? You know, it, it took a while for someone to build trust. Um, secondly, um, ensure you have everything you need beforehand. Like my proof of funding took ages because I didn't have the details. I forgot my banking password, blah, blah, blah. And I was, you know, it just delayed things, which is irritating for everyone. So make sure you have all of that, you know, from the get go. Um, make sure you view a property. I don't care if the source is your dad, your uncle, your, 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 your dog, your cat, whoever, you know, view the property do not trust anyone um and, and, and any good sourcer will say to you hey please come and view this before you book on it unless you've bought you know plenty of them with them before then i guess it's different um and i think this is an interesting property for me because it's going to generate anywhere between 200 to 350 pounds a month net profit and for a house that is going to be free or leaving in a couple of grand I mean, am I complaining? Nope. Is there going to be a huge amount of capital growth like there is in Birmingham with HS2? No, but there's other factors which will increase the capital. Um, but this is about cash flow, right? And it's also about getting on the good books of lenders so that I am a landlord, which makes the market a bit more open for me, perhaps. And I'm sure brokers would disagree and say you can get this and get that. But, you know, I think it's better to look good in front of people who are giving you lots of money. Um, in addition, it's a marketing piece, right? People can see this and say, hey, Ted, you've actually done this. Like, hey, you may not have been project managing it, but you're not a project manager. You're a property investor. You got a mad return on this. You know, can we invest with you? Can we speak to you? Um, and I'm always happy to help people, always happy to talk about JVs or, you know, introduce you to someone who's been on the show or someone in my network who can help. Um so that's that in terms of that property. Um, in terms of the little costs, so no stamp duty. Um, there is the legal cost, which I got at £600, including VAT, including all searches, um, which is pretty cheap. And they have been really good so far. Um, how did I do that? just by being cheeky and negotiating um the survey cost 357 pounds which is obviously a lot cheaper than most again just using comparison websites um doing research looking at trust pilot reviews etc etc um so there aren't many associated costs with buying this place of course the structural survey could come back with a lot of stuff 
But then, you know, there's always scope to go back and renegotiate things, right? Another tip is with solicitors. Yes, we're paying them. Yes, they should be proactive. Are they going to be proactive? Probably not. Are they going to realize that we're paying them and they should be on our case, not the other way around? Probably not. So always, always chase. Mine have actually been pretty good, to be honest. Um, But I still chase. I'm a recruiter. I'm tenacious. I am going to be on your back until we solve this problem. Um, So always keep sort of on timelines and make sure you agree things in writing, i.e., okay, when are you going to have the contracts back with me? When, how long are you going to take to process stamp duty? And again, read paperwork. Solicitors will send you loads of it and make sure you read it. Same with the building survey, read loads of it. Get examples, try and speak to their customers who've used them before. Um, Just always get, well, try and get some verification for your actions or decisions. So looking forward, I'm looking at properties in Wales. Um, I'd be really interested in, I don't know, looking at the figures and things of HMOs in places like Newport or I know Card is quite expensive, but more than happy to see it. So please get in touch with me if you've got anything like that. Me and Aaron Dew, who are on the podcast well, a few episodes ago, are JVing together, preferably in the Midlands. Um, HMOs, freehold block of flats, anything that's interesting and will produce some good cash flow. So again, like get in touch with us. Obviously happy to pay sourcing fees. Um, and I think, Tej Talks is going to kind of progress a bit more and that I have so much knowledge gained from the people who are on my podcast and from networking so much and from just talking endlessly as, as you can tell us we're 21 minutes in um I'm developing a range of new content like ebooks infographics etc um you know with tips from the people who've been on the show from tips that I've learned answering all your kind of questions um and I will send links to those soon um I'm going to spend a day creating those for everyone uh, I also am getting a property accountant on the show and also a commercial mortgage broker and then a non-commercial mortgage broker. So if you have any questions that you want to ask them, please let me know. Um, if you ever want to speak to me, honestly, I am just one phone call away, one Facebook DM away, like just seriously get in touch because I'm always happy to chat. Most of the time it's weekdays quite late. I mean, I'm recording this at like 10.48 the night before the podcast is going to go out. So obviously I plan things well in advance. Um, so yeah, just get in touch and I would love to hear from you. Um, love to meet up. I, I live in West London. I'm in Birmingham once every month maybe. Um, and yeah, look, any questions at all, like give me a shout. Um, and I hope this podcast has been helpful. There's there's no um, amazing guests changing the world and, and getting to financial freedom quickly on this one. But I hope understanding my story and the challenges I've kind of faced on the way will help you in your journey and your story. Um, yeah. Ah, and if you've made it to this part of the show, you're awesome. Uh, thank you. Um, more importantly, there is still the competition that's open to win a 15-minute, half-an-hour consultation, mentorship, analysis, whatever you want to call it, with pretty much any of the guests on the show. So in order to enter it, please like, subscribe, comment on anything Tej Talks, subscribe to my Instagram, um, but most importantly, leave me a review on the Tej Talks Facebook page or on iTunes or the podcast app. Let me know you've done it, and I will enter you in the competition. And essentially... The chances of you winning are pretty high um, and you can pick any of the investors that have been on the show to speak with and we'll get it arranged and yeah, hopefully it'll help you so much. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube for more great content.